Hey everybody, welcome to the Alopecia Project. This is a podcast that uncovers the world of alopecia through conversations about the ups, the downs, and the everydays of living with hair loss. I'm your host, Sarah Adams, and in this episode, I'll be speaking with Ash Deeth, a 36-year-old lawyer from Ottawa, Ontario, as she shares her experience with alopecia and how it's influenced both her personal and professional relationships. Ash, thanks for joining me today and having this conversation. You're welcome. Happy to be here. Yeah, we're uh, really excited to hear from you. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about why you are here today? Well, I'm here today because I have a story about living with alopecia, alopecia areata. I am 36 years old. Uh, currently. I was diagnosed just a month after my 14th birthday in 1996 and it was a month before I started grade 9 and I was living in London, Ontario at the time and it was life-changing in some respects. Um, On the one hand I didn't want it to be a big deal I was worried about seeming to care too much about my appearance by making it a really big deal. So I instant instinctively had the um, the desire to sort of put this in a box or play it down, that it wasn't going to bother me. And at that point, it was just a couple of patches in the back of my head. And uh, the patches and the hair loss grew quite rapidly over the next year. And since that time, I have gone through, I define four significant cycles, maybe three significant cycles of hair loss and uh, long periods of regrowth and full head of hair where people wouldn't necessarily know until uh, I had a baby in 2016 and two months after I had my son um, my hair loss pattern started again and I lost practically all of my hair in about five months wow yeah that was the quickest fallout period that I had had and then I chose to go bald so for about a year and a half I've been bald and experience and being more public about having alopecia and and choosing to do that but it it took me 20 years to feel like I could do that so that's why I'm here today I my story with alopecia isn't over um, but that's where I am today wow and I definitely want to get back to you know now and and that 20 years that it took I want to ask um when you were first losing your hair you said it started in patches what was that like, you know, starting high school, being 14 years old when you first experienced hair loss? Oh, it was tough. That's <laughs> the short answer. Um, I was extraordinarily self-conscious and very desperate that people not know. And my attitude was that I would just not talk about it and I was going to cover it up. So I chose to wear bandanas I forget exactly sort of the moments of intense hair loss, but I 
mostly wore bandanas for all of grade nine and I tried to sort of have a kind of a grunge look the grunge <laughs> was really popular and I just tried to work it into my look and and that was working for me um but then I heard a rumor that someone had started that I had leukemia and I don't actually know how significant this rumor was but in my head it was huge and it made me really feel horrible that people were talking about me um and that just sort of made me want to cover it up more so I ignored it I sort of pretended it wasn't a big deal um I think many times I probably left the house with patches exposed and I could have done more to sort of cover things but my I was stubborn and I really wanted to convince myself that it didn't matter and that if I acted like I didn't have it then I wouldn't draw attention to myself and I really don't know if I was effective or not Um, but grade nine was really it it made me very anxious and self-conscious and I I spent a lot of time on my own just because I felt really uncomfortable and so all the stuff that happens in grade nine, if maybe you're a slightly introverted person, is sort of amplified when you have alopecia, sort mm-hmm. of like thinking now. Oh, for sure. Um, when, you know, you were saying that your hair kind of, you lost it in, in patterns, right? So it would lose, you'd lose it and then it'd grow back and you'd lose it again. Did you ever have all your hair back again and then lose it again? Yeah, so basically, I think it took about the whole four years I was in high school, maybe the first three, it was mostly falling out and then it would grow back. So, you know, I've got lots of school pictures of me without bandanas, but it's sort of the hair is sort of falling straight down. Like I never would wear it up in a ponytail because it would expose patches or whatever. But I mostly just would lose it sort of at the back of my scalp and up to around my ears. But I have really, really, ironically, I have very thick hair. And so when I had a full head of hair, I always had the top, the crown, would sort of fall as long as there was no wind. Mm-hmm. It would fall and it would cover all the patches. So I became very very nervous about wind but for probably a couple of years of high school I didn't have to wear bandanas but I still had the loss of hair but then I had a full head of hair I think from the time I was about 18 to I want to say 28 roughly like I would lose bits like I would get a patch that would it would kind of grow and then it would go away and then it would grow and go away so maybe not a full full head of hair but certainly you know, except for like my boyfriend and later, you know, partner, um, nobody else would have known. So I looked like I had a full head of hair for about 10 years, I think. Wow. And that's, that's incredible. What was it like losing it in your late twenties? Oh, it was like, oh, the jig is up. <laughs> like I had, I was like, oh, shoot, this still is a problem. And I would check in with my dermatologist every couple of years, you know, just sort of because the patches were still coming and going. And so I, I kept sort of somewhat connected with the dermatologist, wherever, whatever city I was living in. Um, but I really, I think, had, I don't know, lulled myself into a sense that it was sort of over. Like that was sort of really a thing I dealt with in high school and then I didn't have to worry about it anymore. Um, When I started losing it again, um, it was pretty anxiety provoking. And again, it sort of stayed small initially and then the sort of the patches were kind of growing and I was sort of ignoring it. And then I had a big hair loss um, and I guess I was 
32, 31, and uh, I lost about 60% of my hair. Um, and that was the first time it ever went onto the top of my head. So once it started going on top of my head, I no longer had the benefit of being able to cover with hair or with hats or with bandanas really easily. Um, so I tried to half shave. I tried to sort of work with it. I tried to like do a really crazy, I was living in New York at the time and I was trying to do a crazy hairstyle that could, you know, hide it. Um, and then it turned out in my particular story, um, I had a benign breast tumor that was found and I had surgery and coincidentally when they took out the breast tumor, um, my hair grew back. Wow. So I, I think it was related. I, I mean, I assume it was because the timing was so connected once the tumor was removed. Um, and then full head of hair again, all through my pregnancy, totally full head of hair, very lush, beautiful hair. Um, and then after pregnancy, boom, hair fall. Wow. Yeah. And this, this last cycle was the time that I lost my eyebrows. Um, and I've lost, um, about a third of my eyelashes on one eye right now. So it's, it's a different course. Like it just keeps getting more aggressive and it's, it's clearly not gone out of my life. And now I'm in a stage where I can accept it and talk about it and just be, be conscious that this isn't a shameful thing or try to be more conscious that this isn't a shameful mm -hmm. You said something, you said one word that I think everybody with alopecia, myself included, really uh, has a hard time doing, and that's acceptance, right? It's yeah. acknowledging and accepting the fact that this is something that happens. What was that like for you? Well, I mean, initially, I didn't, right? I ignored it, or I tried to play it down, um, and then... And then when I had sort of this 10-year period where I basically had a full head of hair, yeah, sure, I didn't put up a full, I never did a high ponytail. I, I envy every woman who's ever been able to do that. But I never did that because there was always, you know, gaps in my hairline or whatever at the back. But, um, but you know, I basically just could ignore it. Um, acceptance didn't come easily. And I do remember I had a dermatologist uh, one time in my late 20s when it was starting to come back and I was getting a little anxious and... I went in to see the dermatologist and I said, you know, I was, is there any new treatments? Is there stuff I should know about? And she said to me, I was really upset when she said this at the time, but she said, you know, you're always going to have alopecia. And she said something like, you have to get that through your head. She didn't say it that harshly, but it was, it felt like that's what she said. And I remember coming home and being so mad and thinking this was a horrible doctor and she had a horrible bedside manner and how dare she. And I was just going in for an update on medical treatments. But you know what? She was absolutely right. And that was probably at 28 or 29. And I had not accepted that this was something I was going to have for the rest of my life. Um, and it really stuck with me. I'm not suggesting her advice is what everyone needs to hear right now. But it's, it, it stuck with me and it, it did reveal to me that I hadn't accepted this was a, a part of me. Um, it was something I was trying to excise. And acceptance literally only came when I shaved my head. And Which it was, was when I was ago. public about it. <laughs> wow. Um, 
you know, so you said you were going through treatments and everything. Did did going through treatments ever, um, you know, kind of lull you into that false sense of security? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I felt like I needed to try um, mm-hmm. various treatments and, you know, to a point. I never went on any of the oral um, steroids when I was a teenager and, I mostly just did the topical stuff and then the injections. And it didn't really actually is the shorter answer to that because it they never worked for me. Not one. Wow. You know. So uh, it, that was that's my perception anyway and and um when I was in New York, I applied for and was accepted into a clinical trial of the um uh Jenny's uh or um Janice kinase inhibitors um, that they were doing at Columbia University. And then I ended up not going ahead with it because it's funny, you know, the treatments are on the one hand, you're in, sometimes you're in a mental space where you really want to do them. But on the other hand, you can get to a point where it's like, you know, it feels a bit like false hope mm-hmm. or it causes me to focus on the alopecia, maybe in a way that isn't always productive um, but sometimes I needed to try the treatments and, and like I said, with this clinical trial, I applied, I was accepted or I made the initial eligibility criteria. And then it was like, you know what, actually, this isn't what I want to do. I'm living in New York. I'm, you know, doing some other exciting things. And actually I don't want to commute to Columbia and focus on this part of my life on a weekly basis or whatever the time commitment was. Um, so I guess the long answer to your question is that I think it can contribute to that lulling into a sense of security that you'll find a cure. And, but sometimes I think it, it is what you need mentally to try various treatments and, and also the treatments work for some people Mm -hmm. try them. But for me, they, they didn't work and, or they haven't yet. So I, I needed to just sort of put those on hold sometimes if they were going to, um, become a negative that they were going to amplify the negative feelings around feeling ugly and feeling vain and all the whatever silly stuff that goes through your mind when you have alopecia yeah uh, for sure you know kind of flipping it around now what were the positives of having alopecia what you know how did it change you for the better um I have always had great hairstyles. <laughs> um, I mean, it's funny. There was a joke at one of the law firms that I worked at, and um, they didn't know um, that I had alopecia, or the people who made the joke didn't know. But there was a, a joke one time, um, a roast or whatever, and they joked about my ever-changing hairstyle. And, you know, this was during the sort of 10-year period when it looked like I had a full head of hair, but I was getting enough patches that I was sort of constantly feeling the need to make myself feel better, and I would do that with a hairstyle. And so, you know, I'd dye my hair, I'd have a wacky haircut, and I always tried to sort of do something fun with hair to make hair not feel like a constant threat. And I do remember this joke about, you know, me with my, you know, I never looked like my profile picture on the web or I had this constantly <laughs> changing herself. Um, and so, you know, I kind of, maybe, maybe I was 
maybe alopecia made me more stylish or made me more adventuresome when it came to hair. Um, and maybe now it's made me feel really empathetic to people with um, uh, visible disabilities. Um, I feel very watched on the street. I feel very, currently being bald, I feel very um, exposed and I only am bald, you know, and I've got lots of hair regrowth happening, but I, I have an odd hair pattern, right? You know, people are like, why is she losing her hair? Initially I got cancer, whereas now maybe people are a little bit more just confused <laughs> as to, you know, is that a tattoo? What's going on? Um, and so I, I think it's made me a more empathetic and perhaps understanding person of what, you know, someone with a, with a visible disability must feel like walking down the street and the judgment and just the constant, um, emotional toll that it might take to be watched. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, uh, let's talk about being bald for a little bit. What's that like? Well, it's really cold. (laughs) Um, I have no thermal regulation whatsoever. It's it's really clear. And last summer, I, I'm cold the minute I go in anywhere with air conditioning. I'm sitting right now on a sweatshirt and, you know, sweatpants in my house. There's air conditioning, but I can tell you anyone else who would come in here would be in shorts and a T-shirt. Um, and I probably can solve it by always wearing a hat, but you don't always want to wear a toque in the summer. <laughs> so actually, that's the first thing is I'm cold. Um right. And the second thing is I had to get used to, you know, I'm, again, I am more exposed and you have to walk. I, I, I've learned that I can, I have to stand up straighter, A, because I'm going to be noticed more on the street. I've completely lost my anonymity on the street. Um, and so, you know, on one hand I have better posture and I'm cold. <laughs> You know, the, the, the bigger parts of that was professionally, I didn't really know how to deal with that. You know, I, I was, the baldness coincided with also trying to reenter the workforce after being out of the country for a couple of years and after having a baby. And so I wanted to update my LinkedIn portfolio. And when I first went bald, I was really anxious about what picture I was going to use on LinkedIn and how to, how to recreate myself as a, as a lawyer and as a professional um, and having to shell out money to do those photos or feeling like I had to shell out money to do those photos. Um, you know, and what happens if my hair grows back and then I got to get a whole other set of photos. And so I had a lot of anxiety around what, um, how to present myself professionally. And, and also just, I perceived that I looked completely different in all of my clothing and I perceived that none of my clothing fit my bald look anymore. And so I needed to update my wardrobe and really anxious about the costs associated with that. And, you know, was that a smart choice? Because, you know, I, what if my hair grew back and, you know, just silly stuff, like small stuff, small potatoes, but it, it, was really affecting, I think, my anxiety around just how do I present myself as a bald person, not just on my street and to my loved ones, uh, but also professionally. So that was a big component of being bald for me, and it still is. Mm-hmm. Um, and to my loved ones, it felt better. Like the hair loss was so extensive back last February, so February 2017. I mean, I was wearing a hat to bed 
because I felt so, I felt like I looked like Gollum from um, the Lord of the Rings or from the <laughs> Hobbit and just that like I have big eyes and then just that like patchy like strands of hair and I just didn't want to wake up in the morning and look like that um, to the people in my life and so that self-consciousness was really tough and going bald was amazing because it that was gone it wasn't like I could just I could just be bald now and you know I had to shave little bits for the regrowth but so that was liberating and then it became all of the anxiety of when you leave the house that presentation but but the the people who really matter my loved ones going bald it took a huge weight off my shoulders and what was the reception that you got to to going bald you know you're saying you went back to work and and with your loved ones what was the reception how were people reacting well, I prepared my parents. I sent them a separate email. <laughs> um, and my in-laws and, you know, like family and just sort of gave them a little heads up because it was kind of, for some people in my world, it would have been seen as an extreme move for me. Um, and I didn't want them to think that it, I was doing it out of sadness or doing it out of anger. Like I, it was an empowering moment for me. Um, so I had a really positive reaction actually for my, and, and my partner, uh, was amazing. My little baby came with me to the hair salon and cause I didn't have childcare at the time and he sat on my lap and I was a little worried if he was going to panic when he saw me with, it was very little hair left, but even not having hair and he, you know, he had no response at all. I think he would have been ten, uh, nine months at the time, eight, eight months at the time. He was just, you know, sat on my lap and was sort of looking up at me and he was perfectly fine. So, so the people who mattered, my baby, my partner, my immediate family, everyone was wonderfully positive. And then, I mean, for the most part, everyone has said, you know, your eyes are great. You know, they, they get accentuated, you know, your face and whatever. So people have been super positive. The downside was that I had to reintroduce myself to colleagues and that was hard. People that I had worked with for six years, people that I had met that had mentored me in law school and in, in the community. And it's, it's not their fault. I did look totally different, but it was hard. It was hard to feel at the, the most extreme. I felt like a stranger in my own city. And I mean, I'd lived in Ottawa for almost 10 years total and, and just to sort of, yeah. So on the one hand, people would notice the bald woman walking down the street and would stare and maybe make comments, but the people that I actually knew wouldn't know me. So there was like anonymity, but then there was a loss of anonymity. It was, it was so, it was so bizarre. Hmm. Um, and I found that I found that really, really hard. And it wasn't until that's what also was really motivating me to get the LinkedIn page done to like, you know, just put myself out there in as many networks as possible to, so that I wouldn't have to do those introductions. Cause I just, it would make the other person feel weird. And it's not like good, good friends, but colleagues, right. You know, right. people you work with that you would see at a cocktail party or you'd see at a, a professional development course or something. And it was like, who are you? Oh no, I'm Ashley Deeth. Oh yeah, we worked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. I know I look different. No, I don't have cancer. And you just do the whole vibe. So that yeah. was hard. Yeah, I I can only imagine. Um, I mean, what 
did people for the major for you know the majority of people did what was their reaction like did they were was everybody okay with it once you told them did you full out say you know I have alopecia areata this is what it was was there any education to that when you started to tell people and people see that you were bald yeah I think there was some of that I mean yeah my uh, yeah, my partner's work colleagues, they were the harder ones. They were the ones that weren't necessarily like we could see each other at dinners or whatever. And I I felt less comfortable in those settings being like, hi, I have alopecia. Yes, I'm Jeff's partner. Like I, I had difficulty kind of those conversations were the most anxiety provoking for me. And I didn't really feel like taking the step of the education piece. Um, but uh, all of my world, my professional world, people were great. And I would say, yeah, I have alopecia and oh, okay. Cause you know, people would sort of look immediately concerned and, and they were sweet, right? They were worried that I was sick and with cancer. And so, um, I was, you know, it'd, it'd be fine to have those conversations and that education piece. I didn't mind doing that. Um, and then the conversation would change the subject matter and we'd all move on and it was fine. So, so at the end of the day, the conversations were positive. It was the, it was the emotional toll of having to do so many of those conversations is what was difficult. Um, and yeah, everyone's been super positive and I'm sure some people wonder why I don't wear a wig and maybe some people think I'm calling undue attention to myself being bald or, trying to get attention by being bald but they haven't told me those things they might think it but they haven't told me those things I don't know I don't know if 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 that's what people think when they see bald people around I I don't know I don't when I see bald people I say good for you yeah (laughs) no it does it takes a lot of courage to go out and to do that yeah it it did (laughs) in hindsight it did um, but it was also out of frustration of just like, I don't know what to do. I'm losing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean now like the process has, I have felt like I've grown a lot and I felt like I've learned a lot and I look back and I think, Oh, when I see other women who are bald, it's like, Oh, I know the courage that it takes some days to actually leave the house. Um, because you feel so self-conscious. Um, but honestly, at the time, it was more about like, ah, I can't handle this anymore. I just can't cover this anymore. And, and it was like more reactionary and not sort of that intentional um, principled stance or anything like that. So we talked a lot about work um, and, you know, be, you being bald in the workplace um, in your personal relationships you know, what was coming out with alopecia like and, and then shaving your head and, and you know, how did you cope with sharing this information with your loved ones? Um, so most of, like, my side of the family, my siblings all knew that I had it. My parents obviously did. Most of my sort of extended family did. My partner's side of the family didn't know it was never something that had come up and again I had met him and during and I always had appeared to have um a lot of hair so just so it was news to them um I think when I shaved it I forget if it was news when I did the half shave or when I it was news when I did the full shave 
but um, they were so positive and um, yeah, nobody ever tried to call attention to it or, you know, say anything that would make me feel self-conscious. If anything, people only said positive things that I was looking great. And, and now that the hair is coming back in, you know, people, family will say, oh, it looks like your hair is growing back in. Which on the one hand is good, but on the other hand it's like, oh yeah, I know, like the patches all look really weird right now. I've got to shave every day. <laughs> I'm like, oh god, you're looking at my head, and it sort of looked like Antarctica for a while, and then it looked like <laughs> a whole bunch of different continents, and, and now I don't know if it looks like rivers or what, but it, you know, it's it's weird looking. And so when people are like, oh, your hair's growing back, I'm like, oh, stop looking at my head. Mm, that's funny. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's only out of love and out of respect. And then on my Facebook, which is mostly good friends, a few acquaintances, but mostly good friends on my Facebook, um, people were so supportive. And I've, I guess I've done maybe three posts um, about alopecia, my, my status with alopecia right now, like the longer kind of posts, and, and only positive comments um from people and and that was I remember the first post I did I think I had like 125 likes or something and I I mean I rarely I don't use Facebook very well but like until then maybe I'd had 20 likes on any specific (laughs) post I was floored about the kind of positive reaction and so grateful that people would think to write and think to comment or like it and I'd never realized that that would ever matter. And did it? It did. It really did. It totally, it totally shocked me, the sort of outpouring of support. Um, it embarrassed me a little bit. Like, <laughs> so like I didn't, <laughs> I didn't and, and expect this. And, you know, it just sort of, or maybe, maybe embarrassment's not the right word, but it, it threw me. And I was so grateful that people wrote or private messaged or emailed me and just checking in. Um, and maybe there's part of that's tied up in with when you have alopecia or for me anyway, so much of my journey, like 20 years was about trying to make it not a thing and playing it down. And if I showed that I was upset about it, like if I wanted to cry about it, I felt somehow shameful, like I was being vain and and so when I was public about it and then to have all these people being so positive and responding so positively and supportive and supporting me, it made me feel like, oh no, I've been so vain. Like it was just weird. It was a weird reaction. The roller coaster, the emotional roller coaster of having alopecia is um, kind of funny. Yeah. But anyway, it, it was weird. It was a weird experience, but a positive one overall. And it it made me um, really respect um, my friendships and and see how valuable people can be uh, as a community to support someone, no matter what the issue is. Did you ever get any negative reactions? Oh, I think so. I I do know a couple of people wondered why I didn't wear a wig, and I don't know if that was because they thought I looked ugly or if that was because they thought that I was putting myself in a vulnerable position or if they don't like bald people, I don't know. But there, there was those reactions were the only things I would ever label as negative. It was sort of like, well, why don't you wear a wig or aren't there wigs around? And it was like, wait, but I'm clearly choosing not to wear one. Like maybe that shouldn't be the first response. But 
nothing public, but privately, a couple people have said that, and and that that's I guess negative. Um, How do you handle that? Well, I just say I don't want to wear a wig. Um, that just never fit my personality. I've had a wig since I was in high school, and I've worn it maybe five times. And I've had it restyled, sort of ready. I bought a really, really cheap wig as well. So I have two wigs now. I bought like a $60 wig, which was a mistake. But And then I have this nicer wig. And I just, I'm, that's not my personality. I tried it. I really did. <laughs> and so that's what I tell people. You know, it's just not for me. And you don't have to wear a wig. And maybe someday I will. But right now, that's not for me. Good for you. Well... It's honest. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and that's what we ask for, right, is these honest conversations because they do really bring light to how people feel and how people go about. I certainly, I mean, I was the person who always wore bandanas. And then I was the person who didn't put their hair up. So in some ways, you know, I was wearing a wig for like 10 years. It just happened to be made of my own hair. <laughs> I don't want to do that anymore. So what's it like now? You said you've posted three Facebook posts. You've, you know, come out publicly as, as having alopecia. And you've gone back to work. You've shaved your head. What, like, a year later after all of that, what's what's it like? Pretty normal. I mean, life is just, you're, I'm bald. And I just have to shave the parts that are growing in in the morning. And, I mean, right now it's more hair regrowth than patch, so it's totally reversed, which is great, but it's not a full head of hair and it looks weird. So there are days that I'm still really self-conscious, um, but right now it just feels normal. And honestly, I think having hair again would kind of, if I all of a sudden put on a wig, it, it wouldn't look like me, I've, even though it's only been a year and a half it feels completely normal now. Um, I suspect I'll have a full head of hair by January or February based on how quickly this is coming back in or what I, you know, whatever my normal is, maybe that's 85% of my hair is back, but that's my, or 90%, but that's my normal. Um, my eyebrows are, are microbladed now, so I don't notice they're like the semi-permanent tattooing and I don't notice the lack of eyebrows because I've got, you know, nicely shaped, better shaped than they ever have been eyebrows. <laughs> um, I mean the, the eyelashes, um, I hope I don't continue to lose more, but I guess right now it's sort of, I'm in a, I'm in a steady state, you know, I'm just sort of, I'm comfortable being bald. This is who I am. I've gotten used to what I look like in the mirror and the challenges aren't gone. Um, this, is ever changing <laughs> but for me and what it looks like for me but I'm I'm less I'm less anxious I'd say on like a month like if I look at 30 days in a month or 28 days in a month you know I'm I don't feel nervous or self-conscious every single one of those days but there are many 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 moments during that month that I feel oh right I'm bald why is that person looking at me? Oh, they don't understand why I'm bald and they're trying to figure it out. You know, that those moments happen, but they're they're not as they're not as intense. So, before we wrap up, I want to ask you a question. What would you say to somebody who is just starting to lose their hair from alopecia and 
is scared and doesn't know what to do next? The best thing is to find someone else with alopecia to talk to. Because you don't know the trajectory of your disease. And you may lose it quickly. You may lose it slowly. You may be able to hide it. You may not be able to hide it. You may have a supportive family. You may have... Like, there's so many unknowns. And unfortunately, this disease, like probably most diseases, but this one is the only one I know of, is so unpredictable. And it it's tied into our identity, you know, the hair on our head. It's how we present ourselves to the outside world. And the more experiences you can hear from other people will help you figure out how to handle the challenges that you'll come across. Because, you know, in this last year and a half, I've gotten really involved in the Canadian Alopecia, Ariata um, National uh, Foundation, and I've met so many people, and I desperately wish that I had talked to and met people 20 years ago. And it doesn't mean that you have to all of a sudden join a support group, and it doesn't mean that you have to talk to people every day, but it will be beneficial to hear from somebody who's gone through this. Because they can, they'll have, they'll have something that's relatable. And I can't tell you how amazing it was to walk into that national conference in July and see people that looked like me. I was so overwhelmed with shock and excitement. I never knew that it would matter to see someone that looked like me. And so, you know, and this is an ongoing process. This is only two months ago for me or a month, geez, only a month ago um, when I went to this conference and I was still struck with how much it matters 22 years in. Support is important. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. I really appreciate it. Um, hearing your story is, is very inspiring for me and I'm sure for the listeners as well. So thank you for sharing. Well, I'm happy to share. I uh, took me 22 years to be able to do it, and now I am sharing. And now you've done it, and it, it really does make people feel good. People who have alopecia, like you said, hearing other people's stories, seeing people who look like them. Now we know if we all shave our heads, we will look like Ash. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I had many people recommend uh, loved ones you know, when we thought about shaving your head, if it comes back, you know, this was always sort of the thing I might do. Like, it's not like it was a, the first um, time it ever occurred to me was in March, but I was so resistant to it. It was such a massive change. But when you're at, like, when you're trying to hold on to, I don't know, 15% of your hair, shaving that 15% ain't going to be a massive change. <laughs> <laughs> so it it, the, the, it took me there whether or not I wanted to or not um, but certainly I would say you know if you're losing a ton of hair don't underestimate the relief of shaving your head for sure well that uh, brings us to time but thank you thank you thank you and uh, we'll talk soon you're very welcome thank you for having me and that's it for this episode of the alopecia project I have one quick favor. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe to The Alopecia Project on Apple Music or SoundCloud. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.